Hello there, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Connie. I'm a certified nutritionist, personal trainer, busy mom, and I live on a small hobby farm. I'm a former bodybuilder, and I currently have found a love for endurance sports. But I'm not your typical athlete. I believe there are many more contributors to athletic performance and overall health, and that we as a population might be doing it wrong. You won't see me pounding goose or chicken and rice, but you will see me in the pursuit to fuel not only athletic performance, but also balance it with optimal health. This is not just a podcast for athletes. Many people that fall into the health scene get there for a reason. I found myself in suboptimal states at multiple times in my life, and it has really sparked my passion for metabolic and systemic health. I am constantly a student of what I love, and now I hope to help others by bringing quality guests to the show to share their opinions and resources to hopefully help you formulate strategies to help you crack your health code. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited to have you joining me. I got some fun things happening this weekend. I am actually running a Spartan race. That'll be something new for me. I'm super interested to see how it goes. So you'll have to tune into the next episode to see uh, what happens with that. I know I've been having a little bit of struggles with my autoimmune. So it's kind of coming at a bad time considering we're racing tomorrow. So lots of things to get done in time to get this podcast set for Monday. So anyhow... Uh, today I'm super, super excited because I have Meredith Patchy coming on the podcast. Meredith is someone that I connected with through uh, mutual coaches. She has a ton of amazing information. She's a bikini competitor and another funny little coinky dink. She used to be in dentistry like myself. So we have a lot of things in common. One of the biggest things is our love for functional health and the functional health movement. So She has a lot of really great knowledge in the functional health industry and movement, and she also is going to tell a little bit about her story because she was forced into menopause early due to having some major surgeries. So she's going to talk a little bit about that and the hormonal ramifications, as well as us kind of talking about hormones, weight loss, post-menopause, pre-menopause, and different things like that, because sometimes it's not always straightforward with people. And there's a lot of, uh, question marks when it comes to where our hormones are at in certain times of our life, whether it be naturally or medically forced. So I'm super excited to have her joining us today. Before we get rolling, I just wanted to let you guys know I'm super excited because Life and Apples, which is a wellness planning company, actually sent me some free planners to give out to you guys. And they are so awesome. I literally browsed through them and I was like, this is way cool. Uh, To the point of being like taking into consideration, like buying some of them and giving them to my clients when I sign them on, because they are totally rad. They track all sorts of things, food, thoughts, uh, mental meditation, goals, plans, calendar. They are not dated. So you can start doing them whenever you want. These things are super high quality and they are very cool. And the cool part is, is I am giving them away to people that listen to today's episode. So All you have to do in order to be entered is take a screenshot of this podcast while you're listening to it, 
tag me on Instagram at Connie Bigani and tag Life and Apples. And I will make sure that you get put in the drawing to win one of these great planners. I'm so excited to give away free stuff. It's one of my favorite things to do. So screenshot, tag us, and let's give away some awesome planners. All right. Before I talk too much further, I'm really excited to get to this talk with Meredith Patchy. All right, round number two with Meredith Patchy. We tried to record yesterday and there was some issues with the weather or something and it wouldn't let us. So you guys, I'm excited to have Meredith on the show. Uh, We met her through mutual coaches and some clubhouse forums and things like that. And it was apparent right away that we were birds of a feather and that I had to get her on my show. So welcome so much, Meredith. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. And so also we discovered that we both used to be in dentistry, which is just another similarity that we have in our journey, which is totally hilarious. I think it's awesome that we're both out of dentistry as well. I think that says a lot. (laughs) Thank God. I know people are always like, yeah, I would have people sit in my chair and they're like, yeah, I'm thinking about going to dental school and, and getting into (laughs) dentistry. And I was always like, uh, and, and how do you handle that? Do you go, I wouldn't recommend that. (laughs) Uh, Idea ever. I know. Um, So I was like, well, you know, make sure you go into an office and do a lot of job shadowing before you do it, because it's a very high stress job. I feel like it contributed to a lot of the health conditions that I had. And when I got out of it, I didn't know how stressed I was actually, I actually was until I got away from it. So definitely glad you're out of it too. Yeah, that was actually for me. Um, I did know when, when I was in it, um, that's one of the things before I went into full-time coaching, I was obviously working full-time hygiene and, um, I was very aware of how stressful, uh, the environment was for me. Um, you know, all the ins and the outs we won't go into here. Um, but I definitely knew that that was a major, a trigger, uh, for me and for me getting into coaching, I had wanted to be working hygiene and I had registered to go back to school um, to do holistic nutrition. And I was like, oh, it's going to be this beautiful transition. And, you know, life was like, no, you need to literally just dive in and YOLO. And so that's how I got into full-time coaching is I literally put in my notice and I said, I need to do this full time. And uh, lo and behold, COVID kind of helped me on that because um, COVID came in about, you know, soon thereafter. Um, and that's when we were on lockdown anyway. So I was like, well, hell, this was meant to be. <laughs> I love it. And you know, it's funny, jump and the net will appear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like literally there will. And I know that we, t- I talked on the TC and, um, you know, they encourage everyone, you know, definitely think about things, have a backup plan, which we are definitely saying that, you know, make sure, you know, you have finances in order, but I will be, I'm learning to be very more, much more open. And I will be honest, my finances were not in order. I was not ready, but I had to be ready. And I had to make it the time because that was not serving me anymore. Um, It was actually making so much about my life, much, you know, much worse. 
And so when it comes to that, you really have to weigh out those pros and cons and say, okay, what is this giving versus what is this taking? And when those scales are tipped the wrong way, well, then you know what? You, you have to dive. You just need to jump and then be prepared to do the effing work um, that's going to be entailed to make sure that you are okay and can put food on your table. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then the crazy part of it is, is that people think like I even, I was a little bit jaded. I thought that I would have, um, I would have more free time when I became self-employed, which is totally wrong. Uh, now right. it's like every spare minute is like this, or like I just took Jeff Sue's cycle syncing class. Like it's constant, you know, trying to better yourself and better your, your offerings and all that stuff. So super, super busy. But the thing is, is you have to consider, and this is kind of where I came to, and maybe you came to a similar place. It was like, okay, I am losing my health here. It's really yeah. bad. And I don't want to die early. <laughs> like, you know, I don't want something to happen to me where I become ill because of all this or even worse. And so I decided to just jump because I knew at that point when I was looking at people that were working at McDonald's and I was like, man, I wonder if their, their job is less stressful. Uh, I knew it was the time that I needed to take care of my health. And that may have come with the ramifications of not having money to do this or that. Um, but I had to take care of my health and I couldn't just be like, well, my health is bad because of my job anymore. I couldn't make that excuse because if I was letting that be an excuse, then I was yes. allowing that to happen. Yes. It's funny. Um, so that was one of, I guess, like those mantras that I was, you know, I always say to myself and I say to my clients and my husband and I say to each other is, you know, if we complain about something twice, we have to change it. Then, I mean, then literally what are you doing? If you're constantly saying, oh, you know, I live in this place, you know, the weather sucks. Okay. Well, let's do, let's start working to do something about it. Granted, you can't necessarily just quit your job and move, you know, however, you can start taking the necessary steps to do that. And I realized that I was starting to feel like more of a hypocrite inside because I wasn't, I wasn't living the life and I wasn't living to my potential. And I felt like I was honestly at that point holding myself back. Um, I wasn't leveling up. Um, I was playing it safe. And in order for me to really level up, I said, okay, well, this is going to mean that, you know, I, I definitely don't live above my means at all, but this, this is going to mean we're going to have to tighten it up. I'm going to have to work even harder, take every free course I possibly can. And, and that's, you know, a lot of coaches say, you know, oh, well, you know, this cost, you know, you know, NCI is this and this class, class is that. Okay. So fine. I do an envelope system, honest to God, I get online, any course I can get for free. If it says it's 10 bucks, I do it. Like we have coaches here that put on courses. That's like 50 bucks. I'm like, let, let me sign up. Let me learn from you because I think actually I posted this yesterday is I have been really fortunate with the community of coaches that I have met is that everybody wants everybody to succeed. And, um, I think it's really cool because nobody is like, oh, you know, well, I'm going to be the best coach and I don't want to tell anybody my, my tricks and the secret sauce because we all know there is no secret sauce. Um, and that tells me that I'm in the right community because we are all pushing each other to level up, to do more, to try to talk more, to, um, you know, just really educate ourselves. I love that. And I love that you posted that because it's really great. This like 
coaching community that's growing all of a sudden that we're kind of in. And I know yeah. you guys scare the shit out of me. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, but then when we're all talking, like we're all on this clubhouse chat or something like that, I'm like, you're talking. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. So sometimes we hold ourselves back too and we have knowledge, but then we're just like, no, I'm not as good as this person, you know, but it's so great. Like, so many coaches that I have recently come into contact with, we all support each other. Like the other day I was asking someone about their client intakes. Cause I was like, I feel like I forgot something here. I'm missing something. And I know I am, and I can't quite figure out what it is. And that person reached right out and they helped me out. And they're like, no, I would add this, you know, or let me send you what I do. Yeah. And it's so cool because we're not taking each other's clients ever. Like we're, we're just, we're trying to help each other be better coaches. And it's so awesome. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's, and I would say that's when, you know, for me, that's when things came full throttle for me is when I was able to actually show up as my authentic self um, and start leveling up is that's when I can really reach out and help others even more understanding we're never done. Like that's for sure. My knowledge base is, I know you feel the same. My knowledge base is nowhere near where I want it to be. And I feel like it should be. And I think that's a darn good thing. I Mm -hmm. would, I would hate to feel like I've arrived. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I know I took Jeff's course the other day and we were doing our open Q and A and he's like, I don't care if it's related to the course, but have at it, you know? And I was like, well, I'll tell you what I got going on. I got a girl two weeks out from a show. Here's, 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 here's what I'm doing. What do you think? (laughs) Like, because you, especially when, you know, some of these people have been doing this for like 20 years, they're masters at it. They've seen everything, you know, for us that are just starting out, it doesn't mean we're any less, but we don't have the experience and nothing out there is going to get us there aside from just, you know, I hate to say it this way, using people as our guinea pigs, but Austin says it that way. He's like, Hey, I'm so fortunate. People have let me be, be, have been my guinea pigs, you know, but, uh, you know, really, um, being able to tell, ask questions and have him be like, no, I think you're doing this right. And I think you're on the right track. I would maybe change this a little bit. And just so willing to help out with things and say his reasoning why and, and what was just so freaking cool. Yeah. It's the, it's that validation that, okay, well shit, I am on the right track. And that, that crazy thought in my brain, I'm like, okay, well, I do know this, you know, and as in, I want to say individual, like entrepreneurs, cause we all, you know, basically are single coaches here. You don't have that office camaraderie or anything like that. You are literally sitting in, you know, number one, it's not as glamorous as what people think on Instagram, where you have, like, you're drinking this cup of coffee, your hair is all blown out. You got your lap, like, honest to God, I have a picture I probably should post, but it has like, my husband took it and it has like literally a heating pad around my neck, you know, like I just, it was like haggard, just like fucking haggard, you know? And I'm like, but that's actually how I am on the daily basis, you know? Yeah. My husband was making fun of my notes the other day. I have a dedicated journal to when clients check in and I literally just sit there and take notes the whole time because I just feel like I can't miss anything and I need to be able to revisit it. And sometimes when you're talking, it's so easy for things to get lost. And I literally wake up at 4am and do start working on client stuff. And I've got my coffee and I've got all these notes and there's paperwork everywhere. And it's, it's kind of a hot mess, but you know, it works and I love doing it. (laughs) Exactly. And that's how, you know, you know, we're doing it for the right reasons. And I know that me looking back, um, you know, as far as hygiene, I don't regret making that decision. If anything, I think, I mean, my, my decision was over overdue. It was overdue by probably about five years. Um, but I mean, you know, can't, can't go back and say, oh, I wish I did. It's just literally 
showing up every day to be better than you were yesterday, serve more, do more. Um, and if you can say I, you did that, then I feel like, you know, you're a success for sure. Love it. Love all of it. Well, we got off on a tangent there, but I think it's great things for other people to hear. Um, but let's talk about your story a little bit. What got you down into this rabbit hole? Like, I mean, you were in dentistry and then all of a sudden, boom, you're interested in this stuff. Yeah. So uh, I think as with most coaches, it came with what was going on with myself. Um, as a woman, I was, you know, put on, uh, I had an irregular period um, for a very long time and I was put on birth control to solve that because apparently that's what that does. I'm being sarcastic in case folks don't know. Um, and, uh, you know, I probably was on about seven different, you know, birth controls, um, I started having issues where they, you know, found um, benign tumors growing on my ovaries. Um, for people who don't know, I was blessed enough to um, start actually having a condition what's called um, ovarian torsions where my ovaries would twist on themselves and that does require hospitalization. Um, I dealt with that for years and obviously understanding what just trauma on the body of an organ twisting. I mean, we could go down rabbit holes there about what that does. We're not just talking about hormones at that point, but um, I had a lot of hormonal, I don't want to say issues, but I just had hormonal stuff going on that I didn't really know what was going on. But my kind of breaking point, um, which I've said before, is when I had had an ovarian torsion. I was in the middle of prep. I kept prepping because I was, didn't know any better. You know, that's what we do. Um, and I started gaining weight rather than losing weight. Um, I ended up having to have that ovary removed and all this time I had, you know, I was the like, uh, weekend and nighttime educator. So I'd get home from work after training and after working hygiene. And I just dove into research and drove into learning, and that's when I was like, okay, what I'm doing right now is not working. Um, and there's, there's more, it meets the eye. And that's when um, I reached out to my coach, uh, Jason Theobald, and started talking to him about what, what I knew and what, you know, what was going on with myself. And uh, I want to say that was the moment where I decided to actually change my actions um, and make my actions line up to the education that I had actually been doing. And, you know, and that was hard. Um, that obviously required me to stop dieting and do everything that is completely, you know, counterintuitive to what you think, um, especially when you're miserable in your body. Um, but, you know, I definitely had to do that. And that was, I would say that was the beginning for me, you know, obviously, that was years of what, you know, I was saying led up to that. I mean, starting, you figure whenever I started menstruating and, uh, as a teenager, and then my first being put on birth control, probably around, um, probably like 16 or 17 years old, which is late compared to some people now. Um, and then just dealing with kind of my hormonal journey up until most recently, um, I'm actually in surgical menopause where they have, they did have to remove my final ovary. Um, it came down to quality of life. Um, my first ovary, when it was removed, I had had probably over 10 ovarian torsions um, and at least three to four surgeries on just that one ovary. 
And um, that's when they said, okay, let's, let's be done with this. This is not quality. You know, every time I would ovulate or go to have a period, I'd be in the hospital. Like that's not, you can't live like that. So um, after the first ovary was removed, um, I made it almost exactly 12 months. I made it 11. And then my final ovary um, went into a triple torsion. And once it did it once, we knew what I was set up for. We knew that this was now going to continue. So um, by that point, I had already dove into the research. I knew I only had one ovary left. My body uh, had started to change. I started to have, um, you know, just a little bit of cognition, brain fog, just things I knew were off and understanding that I only had one ovary. I knew that I would enter perimenopause very much quicker than I would if I had, you know, two functioning ovaries. Um, and then I said to myself, I'm a preparer. I like to be prepared. And so I said, okay, listen, what happens if you lose your last one? You need to be prepared for that. And luckily I was. Um, so when that happened um, and we had to make the decision for my final ovary to come out, that's when I dove into the world of, you know, HRT and menopause and what that looks like. Um, because it was scary. You know, um, there was no one around me who had been through anything that I had been through. And, um, I knew that a woman in my thirties, I wanted to be vital and I wanted to have zest and I wanted to live an amazing life. You know, I want to be the Betty White. Um, and so, yeah, it was a, a pretty big emotional, uh, journey because nothing when it comes to hormones is fast. And we are a society wanting instant results. And that's not the way it is, um, especially in hormones. A lot of it is tinker with this and wait and see, tinker with that and wait and see. Um, and then just the accessibility of information. Um, there's just so much that we don't know about women's health overall. Um, and that depending on what practitioner you find, you're going to, you know, it's going to be either a taboo subject or, you know, they're going to just not be educated themselves. Um, so it was definitely a lot of self-education, this entire, you know, entire process for sure. But that's really great that you dove into all of that and started to learn and understand it, because I think that's a really big flaw in our society now is people trust others too much with their health. And if their doctor says this or that, it's like word and we don't ever pursue it further. And I can't tell you how many people I have run across where they're like, well, my doctor said this and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not a doctor, but I'm looking at your labs and it says that this is wrong. <laughs> you know, like find a different doctor, find a different practitioner that will look at this a little closer. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really crazy thing. And I'm glad that you invested time into, understanding things because I think that we as a population should be doing that a little bit more. Oh yeah, definitely. I, it's funny, like those are some of the things that kind of, again, just kind of pushed me because I was tired of hearing, you know, being at work, I was tired of hearing people give really shitty um, advice to people, especially with nutrition, telling them, you know, eliminate all salt from your diet. Um, you know, stop, you know, don't eat any car. Like just the, the stuff you always hear. And I was like, you know what? We can do better. <laughs> I can yeah. do better. Yeah. Um, and I think if anything, before I was very nervous about sharing my journey and sharing things because it's a lot, you know, when you start, you know, getting into that and then a number of surgeries and all this stuff. But then I realized 
if I can share what I've been through with, you know, uh, dermoids and tumors and twists and, you know, precancerous cells and ultimately like literally every single thing, you know, birth control to now I'm in menopause. Um, if I can share my knowledge and my experience um, with somebody else. And ultimately I think I'd love to be able to help the people that aren't there yet and make better choices why they still can have a, you know, a, a profound impact on their future. Um, number one, you can always make an impact. You know, there's no better time than the present. So age is not, you know, if you're 70 years old, you can still do something. But I think, you know, talking to the, you know, girls that are in their you know, teen, teens and twenties and telling them, Hey, you know, guess what, you know, around 25, you know, things peak up to 25 years old, and then you're going to start changing from there. We're going to start declining a bit here. And guess what? In like five years, you're technically in a potential period of perimenopause and, and things are going to change. And how are you setting yourself up for that? I'm not telling you you can't prep. I'm not telling you you can't diet, but let's be educated and let's be smart. And let's make sure that we're taking care of our adrenals, you know, taking care, making sure we're having a cycle because that shit's going to matter. And it sucks when you enter a period of life and you're entering from rock bottom, like that mm -hmm. sucks. I've been there and it is awful. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I do want to kind of touch on that and I'm sure we'll get to talk about all this further, but that's one thing that young girls don't realize. They go into the doctor, like when they're 13, it's like the first time they, I don't know how it is in Canada, but they go into the doctor here and they are pushing birth control so hard. Like, yeah. and you think of the communities out there that are like against supplementing with hormones performance enhancing drugs all these things and they're like they're like oh well that's a hormone and that's illegal and you non-natty person and they're getting mad at these people what they don't realize is birth control has an equal impact it's the same shit the it's the same stuff like it, you know oh. Just because it's legal and your doctor's- I know, I'm like, okay. you steroids. Yeah, and so people are all afraid that you're gonna get hurt by doing performance enhancing drugs, these things, but they're doing them every single day and they don't realize it. And it is impacting them for the, a lifetime. Like anytime you start turning off hormones and turning on hormones, you are impacting things heavily. And these girls don't get educated on that. Yeah, and it's, you know what? Like you, you touched on a really good point um, and something that- Somebody asked actually Jason once is when, and it's such a generic question, but when would you recommend somebody to, you know, start considering performance enhancing drugs? And his recommendation was like, honestly, like way past, like in your 25, 30, 35, you know, he said, maximize your, your, your potential. And that's the thing is if you think about it, what are we to our young girls by putting them on these hormones at 12 and 13 years old? You're manipulating their brain. You're manipulating their brain chemistry at that young of an age. That's profound. Like, like that's intense. I mean, that can literally steer a girl into you know, having anxiety, having depression, having these crazy things and understanding that you're putting her on birth control because her body is waking up as a woman. Yes, it sucks to be bleeding heavy, cramping sucks. But you know what? Those estrogen receptors, it's almost like baby cells opening up and just blooming. And okay, let's help her with that. Let's talk to her about her diet. Let's you know do the, the free things that we can do and mitigate these a little bit more naturally rather than shutting her off, you know? 
Yeah, I agree a hundred percent here. And that's unfortunate, an unfortunate part of our system, right? Is it's nothing is root cause. And I'm hoping it's going there. I mean, you're hearing more and more buzzwords about finding out the root of the problem, but for the most part, it's like, let's just turn this off. Like let's stick a lemon in the tailpipe of the smoking car. Who cares what happens to the car later? It might blow up, but I mean, no, no problem. No problem. Just, just cover it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, it's almost like you're just shoving all the shit in a closet door and you know, you'll deal with it. You'll deal with it in 20 years when you have to open the closet and all the shit starts tumbling out. That's when all of a sudden you want to clean it all up. And let me tell you, that's not going to be a fun job because that's when all the spiders and cockroaches are going to start crawling out of things like open up the closet door and handle it. That being said, I do want to say there's a caveat. Is there a time and a place for birth control and things like that? Yes, of course, but not just to throw band-aids at it. It's like, for example, a woman coming in who's in, you know, perimenopause and, you know, throwing an antidepressant at her. Now, yes, again, there is a time and a place for that. But here again, she might be able to be helped in another way other than that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we can go down that rabbit hole. You and I both are like totally on the HRT wagon. I know for myself, uh, I suffer from really low testosterone and I like to keep it, you know, at a higher level in, in, I work with my doctor on that and I've experimented with it at many levels and I know where I feel good at. And it's not, there is a quality of life portion there, right? So you can be as afraid of hormones as you want, but if you can get on hormones that make you feel optimized or optimize your longevity, then by all means, get somebody in there that understands this stuff and can help you with it. Yeah. And again, I think it comes down to understanding that as with anything, there, there is a type of, and perhaps even a mode of hormone that is going to be best for you. And just because, you know, your, your husband's golf buddy said, Hey, my wife's on the pellet. You need to be on the pellet too. Maybe not the best choice. I'm just going to say, I'm not an Uber big fan of the pellet. I'll caveat that by maybe it is okay for somebody, but in my experience, anecdotal experience, I do not have it and have never tried it. Any client who I have had come in on the pellet, their testosterone is kicking past what some of the bodybuilders I've seen. And unfortunately, some of the clinics that are doing these, you know, quick, I'm going to call them quick fixes, you know, I'll pop this in you and then you come back in three months. Um, they are getting a kickback. You need to understand that that company is getting a kickback, but they're not running labs. You know, I had a client where she was getting the pellet and I said, okay, listen, before you get another pellet, you need to have labs run. What if you don't need that pellet? And the whole thing is, is they wouldn't run labs. They said they weren't, they ran them afterwards and you can't do that. And that's just, you're setting yourself up for a complete shit show. You, I know it takes trial and error. I know it takes time, but by God, your life is worth it. You know, mm-hmm. find a good practitioner. Don't do what Jane said, you know, at the carpool line, go invest in a practitioner that is going to individualize your health. 
Absolutely. If your practitioner isn't running labs and like people can reach out to me, they can reach out to you. If they want a list, we'd be happy to give them one. Um, <laughs> if your practitioner is not running labs, you need to find a different practitioner because you cannot manage what you don't measure. No. You can't do For it. Anything. Like you, you feel that too. I would say any age, if you were yeah. man or woman, I personally feel if you are, you know, adolescent, understand this with lab work, there is going to be ranges of lab work always and fluctuations of lab work. And depending on how old you are is depending on where lab work should look. So some, a woman or a, a, a gentleman who is say 15, 17 years old. I mean, if you're 65 year old, you should get a full workup. You should, it's okay to get some lab work done here again, understanding that your sex hormones are going to be affected by other things. What if there's, you know, again, an autoimmune, you know, Hashimoto's going on, going back to the adrenals, which are huge. What happens with there? And we see that a lot, especially in, I want to say like teenager, 20, you know, college age, we see a lot when it comes to cortisol levels, just because of what they're dealing with. There's a lot of things going on there. And that is going to affect reproductive hormones, you know, sex so it's it's really important i think that it's doing your due diligence practitioner that is willing to listen yeah absolutely and and it, it you know you said something back there that i want to reverse on and that was that um it is so variable between people like so what works for you or what works for me or your brother is going to be so different and it's going to be different in so many ways, whether it's your hormones, whether it's the food you're eating or the kind of dieting you're doing. And so sometimes like you can hire a coach or somebody to help you. They're not, it may take them a while to figure out what's going on and to kind of dig into things too. You're, you're not necessarily going to get overnight success. A hundred percent. And even going on to that, um, it's interesting what cleaning up certain things. And, and I say that like very broadly, um, but getting a handle and cleaning up certain things of a client's, you know, uh, you know, health, what, especially gut health, starting with gut health, you'd be surprised. Um, I know from most of my clients, I don't touch hormones. I make no suggestions with hormones out of the gate. I'm looking at gut health because if gut health is off, well, that is going to be off. Like, I mean, so, I mean, we don't need to be throwing all these things, you know, chase all these things if honestly seen it where I clean the gut up and, and I'm not gonna say magic because we know why, but everything starts turning back on. Um, somebody says something that your, your gut is nothing more than it's the same brain tissue. It's just a couple feet lower. And it's the same. It is, that is what they call it the second brain. And so much comes down to that when it comes to conversion of hormones, when it comes to excretion, because again, gut is not just what you think of as stomach. It is going into liver. It's going into, you know, gallbladder. It's going into small, large intestine. Yes, we're going to then talk about, you know, the stomach and then, you know, excreting things out. So it's a whole system. Um, so getting that on track is part of your hormonal health and understand your hormonal health. All of that, everything you can think of comes down to your brain health you know, leaky brain, everything, whether your sex hormones, whether it's your adrenal gland, your thyroid, which again, thyroid is very, very, very rarely, you know, the cause it is very rarely the root. It is generally 
the outcome, the effect of something else. And you have to go back to what's going on in the brain. What is your brain, your hypothalamic pituitary access, which goes HP thyroid, HB gonads, whether that's your testes, your ovaries, HB adrenal, and understand that that HB with those branches I just said are all going to have a feedback loop. So if your adrenal glands are like, fuck off, dude, because they're way too stressed out, well, then that's going to feed back to your brain, going to affect your thyroid, going to affect your sex hormones. Um, and again, for the younger, you know, athletes, that's going to be huge when you have that athlete getting up, you know, at 4 a.m., you know, whether they're a swimmer, basketball player, um, you know, dancer, they're getting up, they're doing a practice in the morning, whether they're hitting the pool, then they're going to school, doing school, and then they have, you know, weight training in the afternoon, then they're, they're going here, there, and all the place, or you have the person in their 30s and 40s who they're, you know, a career person, they're trying to lose weight. You really have to think about that adrenal piece because that's going to really dictate so much, especially if you're entering that, you know, andropause for men or menopause, you know, peri time for women, that's going to be huge because those adrenals are going to really take care of your sex hormones. Because as your gonads lessen production as they should, you're not a, de- you're not deficient. They are lessening. And that's what should happen. Your adrenals are going to start taking over and that's not their main gig. Their main gig is not going to, is not to shoot out, you know, testosterone and all these things to help you, you know, survive. That is a secondary thing, putting out DHEA and things like that. So looking at how we take care of ourselves and being the smart humans and smart athletes now, regardless of what age you are, sets you up for how it's going to be in five years and 10 years. Yeah, 100. I love all of that. I can't even tell you how much I love it. Uh, Like, seriously. And that's the thing is, people don't understand stress is a huge, it's almost worse than sugar, or maybe even worse than sugar. And all of these other things that people like to blame on their illnesses. Stress is like the number one thing that causes all of the shit to hit the fan (laughs) and like stress stops your digestion. It stops your hormonal production. It stops all of these other processes in your brain. And I have clients that are stressed out and they think they need to go do all these other things to try to like help themselves. And I'm like, no, the only thing I care about right now is stress because it is the number one. Yeah, for sure. And I think you, you know, you touched on something big is, you know, when it comes down to dealing with our stress, understand that there's, it's the, it's, it's the easy stuff that nobody wants to do because it seems so tedious. Everybody wants the, feels that they can do the extreme. You know, if it's like, you're, they're going to start working out all of a sudden, they're going to get up at four 30 in the morning and I'm going to go take the three, you know, you know, whatever body pump classes in a row. And then I'm going to go do a cycle spin for like three hours. Like, and I'm literally over here saying, okay, listen, let's just eat food you know, with protein in it, like every three to four hours. And I'm going to ask you to set a bedtime, you know, and let's, you know, make sure that, you know, digestion is happening and that in order for digestion is happening, that you're not woofing down food, you actually sit down. It doesn't take that long to eat. Let's be real folks. It honest to God takes, I mean, they say take 20 minutes to eat. I don't know what size meal you're eating. It doesn't take 20 minutes to eat a meal. However, to sit down, take a couple breaths, chew your food slowly, honest to God, you can eat a normal sized meal in probably like five to 10 minutes while putting your fork down 
and chewing. And that, as you said, is going to help digestion. It's going to help digestion is not happening. Then hormones are not going to be, we're not going to be talking about filtering out estrogens and things like that. Things are going to be recirculated through the body. So it, it's coming down to those small, simple foundations that are boring. It's the boring stuff. That is the easiest thing that nobody wants to do because it's not, it's not glamorous. It's not like, I'm not putting a squeam on. I'm not, you know, rubbing this liquid on my stomach to make, you know, a vasodilation happening. There's no secret sauce. It's the free stuff that nobody wants to do. You know, get off social media at night, go to bed, put down the alcohol because that alcohol is going to increase your estrogen. If you're not detoxifying your estrogen, well then congratulations. Now you have even more. It's going to increase your risk for cardiovascular disease, breast cancer. You're worried about going on HRT and getting breast cancer. Put down the alcohol. That's Mm -hmm. going to increase odds for breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Listen, I love all of this because it's so, so true. I mean, like today I had a client um, that I was onboarding and they were doing magic shakes basically for weight loss. And I was like, listen, why are we investing so much money that we don't have into these things that are not getting you there when there are so many things you can do for free? So I really love that you touched on that. So yeah. let's talk about this a little bit more with your story. I kind of want to reverse a bit here um, because you were kind of forced into menopause. A lot of women find themselves in that position and they say, oh, don't worry. We're taking all this out. It won't affect you at all. And then here they are later down the road, they're gaining weight. They're having all of these other things, brain fog, um, you know, not to mention hormonal fluctuations and stuff like that. So what do you recommend is the first thing somebody does when this happens and how can they start to get all this stuff straight in such a convoluted medical system? Yeah. Um, number one, um, if anybody is dismissive of you, um, walk away. Um, I, when I first had to actually reach out, uh, and say, I need a practitioner for, you know, to consider HRT, cause you need to understand that HRT is simply making sure that your hormone levels are optimal for function. We're not going to super physiological levels here. We're not, you know, pumping things very high. It is literally to make sure you're safe. Estrogen protects you. It protects your arteries. It keeps them gushy, gushy, soft, soft. So when it comes to, you know, arterial sclerosis, risking heart attack, risking stroke, if you have, if you are quote, low in estrogen. And I'm going to say that at any, any place, whether you were in your twenties, your forties, your fifties. So going into perimenopause or into like, you know, even an andropause for men, you really want to make sure that your hormones are optimized for you understanding something that, you know, Connie, like you said earlier, your levels and my levels are going to be totally different and they should be, we're not looking for there's a, you know, a range-ish on paper, but understanding that if somebody feels a certain way and we know that they're protected, that's the big thing is if you tell me that, you know, you're a hundred pounds overweight and we have all these things, well, okay, well, whoa, we, we got some things that we got some issues and you tell me you feel good, I'm willing to talk. But if, you know, looking at labs, if we're in this range and things are good and you tell me you're 
symptoms. You're, you're feeling better. We're on track, you know. Um, but coming into you know perimenopause, it's most of the time, and even you know, that andropause time is when you start getting the misdiagnoses of you know anxiety, depression, um, you know fibromyalgia, um, you know all these things. And understand during this time too, that's when a lot of autoimmune diseases start to arise. There's several times in a woman's life, but I would say a man's life, this is going to be around that time too, because there is going to be a declining of hormones. Um, for a woman, it's going to be during puberty. It's going to be, you know, pregnancy, post postpartum, and then during this perimenopause, menopause time, because again, your hormones are protective. And so we got to think immune function, you know, think of your adrenal again, when I said immune function. Um, so if your estrogen is too low, you are going to be at the risk for, you know, heart attack, stroke, um, diabetes, because again, going back to when you were actually cycling, remember estrogen is going to make you insulin sensitive. So it means that um, you are sensitive to insulin. Insulin can be utilized well to take glucose and put it into the cell. If you are not insulin sensitive, that's when it's going to be pre-diabetes, diabetes, and we're going to have issues with buildup there. So estrogen helps that. Estrogen is good for that. So if we have that declining, well, then we're going to be into also risk factors of diabetes you know, brain health. Again, think about what I said to you about the arteries and keeping everything gushy, gushy, good. Again, that's going to go into brain health. So if you have a decline in hormones, you're going to be at a more heightened risk for dementia, Alzheimer's, and then go into your genetics. Do you have even more predisposition for that? Because there is something, you know, epigenetics, you can improve that, you know, and it again, comes back to your habits. So for somebody who is having you know these perimenopause symptoms where you might be having a decline in the afternoon or you're having these fluctuations of depression anxiety and moods all over the place or rage understand that that time is not the time necessarily to be going and saying i'm going to be on you know anti-anxiety medication and things like that you might need to start getting into like some cycle mapping and seeing where your hormones are at what times, you know, even for my men looking at your testosterone, looking at your estrogen. And I want to say even more so for both parties, looking at you, those adrenal glands, you know, because again, during these times of high stress, um, and when your body's really fighting things, that's when we also see a decline in that production of cortisol because it's been outputting so much. So we see that adaptation. So one of the biggest things I would suggest for somebody is if you start having symptoms, one, start tracking them. Start tracking your symptoms. You know, for a woman, if you are still cycling and having a period, I definitely suggest tracking your cycle. How long is your cycle? Like how many days are you um, you're from your first bleed to your next bleed, as well as how long is your bleed? Because what you'll start seeing happening is perhaps a, um, a lowering of progesterone, which would be you know, a longer follicular phase. Okay, so you might see that kind of getting longer. And then unfortunately, then you also see it getting even shorter. And so seeing those fluctuations might lead you to believe, okay, I might be in this perimenopausal time. And at that time, it is so important to get on top of those low hanging fruits when it comes to stress reduction, your circle of five who surrounds you and your boundaries. It's really important because nobody is going to serve you and stand up to show up for you 
other than yourself. People can support you, but understand that you're the only one that can really show up and do the work. You know, that's so great. You said that. And also, you know, that's a big thing. And you probably get it too, where women are like, yeah, well, I do want to change my diet, but my husband doesn't. And I say, well, listen, sister, sometimes you got to put your oxygen mask on before you can help anybody else. And it's all very the time. Important. Yeah. Like it's very important that you take care of yourself. And like, sometimes that may not look like eating the same food that you're eating with your spouse or your family. That may, may look like being a change. If that, if that's all you can control, you got to control it. Um, and I do want to reverse to just one thing that you said, you said, someone might be a hundred pounds and they're like, well, I feel great. Well, I hear that all the time from people. Let's just use gluten as an example. They're like, yeah. well, I eat a lot of gluten, but I feel great. But a lot of these people don't realize how crappy they actually feel until they start removing the offenders from their life. Yeah. And it's interesting. Gluten's a, gluten's a big one for many different areas, whether again, okay, understand everything's connected. Like there's no, there's no doors in the body that they, you know, they shuts it off and it's only the gut. It's kind of going back to dentistry. You know, there's not a trap door at the mouth and like everything else is not connected. So same thing with your body. So with gluten, it's interesting because that will affect as far as estrogen too. So I believe I read somewhere that, you know, celiac and even gluten intolerance, you are going to really have to be careful here again with your hormones um, because it's going to be directly affected. And, and obviously we can talk about thyroid because yes, it's going to be mimicking there as well. We can get into, you know, was it gogotrogans and food and making sure you cook things, but bottom line, you know, I think that a lot of people, number one, we do change over time. And so you might have been able to handle gluten and handle dairy at certain times, but it doesn't mean necessarily that it's really serving you now. Um, and understand like even with the dairy thing that most people, gluten included, we do have a threshold and everybody has a different threshold. So if you're not celiac, um, you might be able to handle a certain threshold of gluten and say your day, but I, you know, even say, hey, you know, why even tinker that? You might feel even better if you avoided gluten. Understanding avoiding gluten is not meaning avoiding carbs. That is yeah. very different. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, gluten-free bread, you know, yeah. like, um, I mean, seriously, though, um, like there are so many different things available to people that don't have gluten in them now and not to get in this gluten rabbit hole but like for example I met with somebody the other day and they were like hey well I had a, a food intolerance test taken and they said I was fine with gluten and I said but how well are you digesting that yeah. gluten? how well exactly. are you like it's it may not it, it may be looking at that intolerant like the allergy portion of it but it's not looking at how your body handles it and so that's when you know, these other things need to be taken into consideration. It's not if you're allergic to it, it there's a lot of other things involved. Yeah. Well, it's like with alcohol. Okay. You, so you have, you have a couple glasses of wine of alcohol and you say you feel fine. Okay. Well, that's great. I'm happy for you, but it doesn't negate what it's actually doing in your body. And I'm really sorry for that, but it, it, it's the fact, you know, um, I definitely feel like some people probably can handle a threshold of gluten. I do feel that as we age with adult, with as adults, understanding that you're always aging by the time you grow, you're born. Um, I do feel like a lot of people's threshold for certain things such as gluten and lactose does decline. That's my antidotal, what I've noticed. Um, most folks 
you know, who don't have a full blown, you know, gluten sensitivity intolerance um, might be able to handle something of gluten, you know, in their day. But for the most part, most people feel better avoiding something like that as, a, as well avoiding dairy. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I know that we were talking about hormones, but I just wanted to get back to yeah. that feel good thing because I hear that all the time. Well, I eat this and I just feel fine. And it's like, well, you don't realize. And my husband and I, before we changed our diets, we didn't realize how unfine we actually were until we started eating real food and whole exactly. things that we knew exactly what they were. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, my joint pain is gone. Oh, that nagging little backache that I thought was from lifting too much yeah. weight is gone. Oh, this and that is gone. Oh, the knee pain's gone. Like there was all sorts of things that were like, like is gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, off on that segue there, but, um, so postmenopausal dieting, let's jump yeah. into that. Yeah, that sure. is so, it can be very complicated for some women. They're like, I yeah. went through the change. Now I can't keep the weight off. Yeah, for sure. Number one, I'm going to say, again, look at what you're eating. Uh, look at your stress level. Look at your sleeping. Um, you can get the weight off. You know, it again, understanding how the body works, we have to make sure that those adrenals are safe and good. And that's what I generally see the most, most problem with. A lot of people feel um, you know, as soon as someone hits menopause, they're like, oh, well, their hormones are gone. I can, you know, literally run them into the ground. And I'm like, well, no, because they might already be in the ground. And that may be the reason that they're not able to get the weight off because, you know, their adrenals have adapted. Um, also, you know, when it comes to women who are going into that, you know, menopausal time, um, I do know that you can diet, but it, it's with anything. You have to be set up for it. You know, I find that a lot of women and men um, they are drinking, you know, as far as like more calories from, you know, alcohol than they're actually eating a regular food. Um, you know, when it comes to your, your appetite, that is going to change, you know, when, it, when your hormones change and even the foods that you like and the foods that you want to have, um, you can very much diet being menopausal or, you know, into, you know, your seniors as a gentleman, but it, as, it is as with any age, you need to be set up for that. If you are already low, then like I have a client right now who, I mean, she was eating maybe like a thousand calories and, and overweight. So I told her, I was like, we need to get calories up. We're going to reverse you and we're going to hang out there. And there's nothing you know more horrible than I'm reversing her up. And, you know, obviously we know what happens. Stress goes down and you know, the weight's coming off. And then now we're at a standstill. We're at a stall. Well, I'm not going to drop your calories now. Like that is literally yo-yo dieting, you know? So we are going to hang out where we are. We're going to get stronger. Look at our, you know, our strength because that is huge too, is as we age, we need to make sure we're strength training. We need to make sure we're eating enough. You know, the types of food for menopausal women, that might change. You might need, might not to be able to handle, you know, 300 grams of carbs, but I can't put any blanket statements out there because I know people who do. So it comes down to, again, it is going to be the individual. So there should be no blanket statements. You enter menopause and this is how you're dieted. You enter menopause and, you know, this is how, you know, you're fed up. It is still individual. 
Absolutely. And like, even when people are starting to go through menopause and they're in perimenopause, they start seeing these changes. They feel like um, they're gaining weight more easily. What are some of the things that they can do to start helping themselves? Like I, we talked about pretty much all of these, but just to kind of reiterate it, we talked yeah. about stress. We talked about eating real foods. I mean, are there things, other things that women can do to optimize when they start getting to this stage? I'm going to say, do an, do a life audit do a life audit um, of what your habits are throughout the day. Are you picking? Are you doing BLTs? Um, I think doing an audit of your day, doing an audit of your habits, meaning um, are you somebody that is peer pressure into doing things perhaps that you don't want to do? Do you have boundaries? Um, Those are going to be really, really important. Being consistent. So having boundaries being consistent every single day um, and doing audits. I think that that is the most important and understanding that being uh, doing audits and you know, having boundaries is going to be consistency as well. Um, don't look for an easy, you know, it's not the celery juice. It's not the apple cider vinegar. You know, it, it's not take the vitamin E. Yes, these are all really awesome things. But there, there is no one answer. And I think that everybody is looking for the secret sauce. You know, I'm in menopause. This is what I need to do. Well, to be frank, it doesn't change from when you were in your 20s or 30s. It's still going to be individual. But bottom line, it's going to come down to consistency. Maybe stop dieting and stop over cardioing. Because again, understanding during menopause, your ovary print has declined as far as it should. And your adrenals have taken over. Your adrenals are not responsible. They're responsible for that stress, the you know, immunity and these things. And so if you're going to be under eating, over cardioing, and also, you know, the body pump classes, I'm not, I can't, I don't want to slap them. They're wonderful because I would, I want people to move yes. and I want people to be, you know, more mobile. I get it. But understand it's not the same as strength training. You know, if you are bouncing around, you know, doing Zumba, I love it. I love that for you. But understand it is not the same as strength training. And that is going to yield way more than any type of running, elliptical, you know, it's not about getting my heart rate up as high as it can for as long as it can, you know, sweating into where I'm literally, you know, shedding layers of clothing. That is not the definition of success in dieting in any age, especially in menopause or andropause. Oh my gosh. I love everything you said there. I am so on that train. I tell people that constantly. I'm like, it's I don't want to bash on those things. I feel bad, but like, you know, I'm happy when I see people moving their body, our body's a gift. We should move it. When I see people out in the sun and they're walking their dogs and running with their kids and doing all these things, I'm happy about it. It makes me happy, but there has to be a certain amount of other things incorporated. And I feel like a lot of the reasons people do some of these classes is because they're trying to like abuse their body into a certain shape. Burn fat. I think it's yeah. that whole burn. I'm going to, I got to burn fat. And my God, you are going to quote, number one, you can't, it doesn't like just zap the cell. Let's understand that. Like you have these fat cells, they get smaller, they get larger, they get smaller, they get larger They and, and they multiply, but you don't zap them. Like, I mean, that is a surgical procedure, right? Um, so lift some weights, man. 
and that burns calories all day long, not just yes, way longer. longer. <laughs> you know, and you're not going to get osteoporosis when you're older. Like there's exactly. a lot of really important things there. But yeah, no, I totally agree that the so the overcardioing is contributing to the major stress pandemic that we are living in already. And yeah. all of these programs that are out there, beach body, body pump, cardio, whatever, are actually contributing to all of these people's adrenal problems and so many people are suffering with major adrenal slowdown and thyroid problems and all these things is because we as a society go way too hard yeah it's i mean it even goes into the same thing with going too hard it's we are it's the extremes we are fine to go to the extremes but i said this um yesterday everyone can be zero everybody can be 100 but why, we, why is it zero or 100? Like, why can't we be consistent? I, I just don't get that, you know? Um, and we're, we're sitting here trying to constantly be smaller humans. You know, I want to weigh less. No, you don't. That's not going to give you the body you want. Shocker, the body you want has way more muscle on it than you really think. And newsflash, myself included, you have way less muscle than you actually think. You know, if you really want to see what your lean body mass is, it is a harsh reality, especially for folks who actually are doing strength training. It's quite a blow to the ego when you get really lean. You're like, this is it. This is all I have. It is so hard to put on muscle. It's hard to keep muscle. And as we age, number one, if your hormones are not in a good place, you're going to lose that because your hormones are responsible for protecting you. And here again, if we're, if we're not doing strength training and we're not quote, you know, exercising these muscles, you're going to lose them. It's just like your brain function. You have to exercise your brain function in order to keep it. And just being really good at cardio. I get it. If you are a cardiovascular athlete and that is your goal, then rock on but understand that in order to be really perhaps efficient at being a cardiovascular athlete, you're going to need some muscle to push that body forward. Yeah, absolutely. I I'm always, <coughs> excuse me. I'm always stuck in this spot because I love to cycle. I'm like big into cycling and I have to back myself off and not cr- like, I like to race. I want to go do 120 mile races. I want to do all the cardio in the world because I like to do it. But I try to focus most of my stuff on strength training because I also have adrenal problems from my bodybuilding career. And I have to make sure that I don't like get those things going again with, yeah. you know, with doing all the crazy cardio. So it's you very hard to balance sometimes. Well. Yeah. yeah, but you do yourself well. That's the big thing is if it'd be one thing, you know, if somebody, you know, if you're doing these races and, and something like that and you're not actually fueling yourself and you're eating, you know, a hundred, you know, a thousand calories a day or 1200 calories a day. Um, I mean, that's, you know, that's what I'm seeing a lot of is, you know, the folks that are getting stuck um, at these, you know, subcaloric levels and understand that, you know, as we age does not mean that necessarily your calories have to decrease that much. Well, and our body for the most part is in a pretty adaptive being. So it likes to find homeostasis in places and it will find homeostasis in places where you put it. You want to put it at 1200 calories. It's going to find homeostasis at, you know, at the, at the ramifications of other processes, but it's going to find homeostasis there. Like for myself, 
I am a very active person, but I eat a lot of food, like a lot, a lot of food. Sometimes I get sick of eating food. Well, that might be a little bit of a stretch, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like I can put down a lot of calories and here's the funny thing. If like this week I took a week off because I'm running a Spartan race tomorrow, I still kept my calories the same. I didn't just downregulate anything or anything like that because I was not moving. I wasn't doing my cycling workouts. I wasn't strength training. Guess what? Kept my calories the same. Guess what? My body weight didn't change at all because guess what? It likes where it's at. And so <laughs> we have to be in, in mind, keep it in mind that our body wants to be somewhere happy and it's going to go where we put it. Now, can you overdo that? Yes. If you're going out and eating Dairy Queen and McDonald's and thousands and thousands of calories a day and not putting out the output or spending that energy, then yeah, you might have a problem, you know, going on, but, but to be putting ourselves in these extreme caloric deficits and expecting, like we can get, we can upregulate the metabolism too. Like I'm sure you have plenty of clients where you work their calories up and their yeah. body finds a very happy place at a higher calorie level. Yeah, for sure. And I think that you touched on something big and, you know, obviously when I said that, you know, as far as our tastes and things like that change is, you know, as you're speaking to the perimenopausal and the menopausal, you know, clients, understanding that, you know, calories and food quality, these things are, they work together, meaning that if you're eating, you know, 15, however many calories, but you're filling them with, you know, with shit, that is going to look very different on your body than if you're filling those same, those exact same calories with nutrient dense whole foods with fibers and things like that. And that's what it comes down to is people, I think it's, you know, with this food quality is they're like, they start eating, you know, like this, these bird diets, but even, you know, this bird diet is filled with, you know, garbage, like even, you know, a protein bar and diet Coke and, you know, things like that. Um, and like you said, Dairy Queen, but you could literally eat the same amount of calories and fill it with quality food. And number one, those nutrients are going to drive, you know, your metabolism. It's going to drive brain function. It's going to drive, you know, that thyroid and hormones. And so you're going to yield probably a better looking body, a less watery and inflamed body by eating quality foods. And that's what I do see a lot again with, you know, that population, whether it's college age or, you know, even that, you know, uh, perimenopause menopause is that food quality you know that's when we start seeing you know a lot of the booze coming in and you know wanting to have the you know extra pieces of cake and you know cheesecakes and girls nights out which is fine but understand that that can't be a daily diet right and then I found another thing is is prioritizing protein like yes. that is su I can't reiterate how important that is people fill your calories with protein calories because First of all, it's metabolically expensive. Like it take there's a thermic effect of protein. It just takes our body more calories even to digest the stuff. So you know, um, and you then you are contributing to your body's foundation. Yep. So exactly. you're um, your body with what it needs to function, yeah. which is the breakdown of that food is going to give it you know the vitamins and minerals for function. So mm -hmm. yeah. So I want to reverse just a little bit, and I know that we're we're get, making this long-winded here, so I'll try not to make it too long, but you touched on something back there. You were talking at different places in your cycle where estrogen is higher, it's protective, there's anti-inflammatory processes, and then different points in your cycle where insulin sensitivity changes. So how does that look for a postmenopausal woman? 
right? So you're not going to be cycling anymore. Um, if you're postmenopausal, essentially everything, and then let me back up menopausal, I want to know how you're menopausal. Um, because obviously I am surgically induced menopausal, meaning I have no lady bits. Um, my bits are gone. Um, however, I do have a uterus. So that is something important to know when talking HRT. Um, if you are, you know, natural menopause, you're going to have your bits. So you are going to have, you know, some hormonal production. If you have had a partial hysterectomy where perhaps you have your bits, um, but your uterus is gone again, you're still going to be cycling and you can still track your cycle by, by lo looking at even, um, some people will have migraines at certain times and you can almost see this fluctuation of hormones happening and kind of time it that way. Um, but if you are postmenopausal, all of your hormonal production is going to be lower. The caveat here is going to be those androgens depends on if you have your ovaries or not. If you don't have ovaries, you're not gonna have that production, right? If you still have your ovaries, you're still gonna have some androgen production. You're gonna have a little bit of, um, uh, a little bit of estrogen, things like that. And obviously we, we do get these hormones from other tissues. So when these hormones decline, understand estrogen helps us with our insulin sensitivity. So when we lose that or it, it lowers, and again, this can be applied to even during amenorrhea and things like that. So this can apply to many different people in different parts of their you know, journeys, but menopausal speaking, they're not going to rise back up. That's going to be what it is. And so insulin sensitivity is going to decrease. And so this may be a time where perhaps again, the quality of like, say, carbohydrates does need to be looked at, um, spacing things out. And again, having that good protein is going to be play a big part. Um, understanding that if you are on HRT, you might be a little bit at a user advantage um, because you are going to have, you know, a little bit more optimal production overall. Okay. Awesome. Well, I wanted to touch on that before we got off of here, because I think that um, a lot of people don't understand that there's also changes in insulin sensitivity, which is such a huge thing um, because you, it changes, you know, basically where you should be focusing your priorities when it comes to protein, carbohydrates, and fat. So, yeah. Um, well, if there was anything that you wanted to get out there in the world that we didn't cover already, what would it be? Um, oh man, there's a lot, but, um, I would say biggest thing is, is really take an inventory of your life. Um, um, now I don't care how old you are, um, understand that you can still have fun. You can still compete in bodybuilding competitions. There is a way to go about everything in life, but really take an inventory of your goals, um, and how you want your future to look as well as your present. Um, and you need to start working towards those things now, no, regardless of what age you are, um, look at, look after stress and manage those adrenals. I cannot reiterate manage your stress. Um, and what you perceive as stress, um, is going to be far different probably than anything. Um, and that's, and that's really crucial and understand that when you are entering a perimenopause, menopausal time is nothing to be ashamed of. Um, we're, we all have to go through it. Um, I think it's very taboo still. And I think it's very sad. Um, you're looked at as like this old wretched, you know, haggard creature and, um, I'm going to encourage you to say it's an awesome time. Um, I think Laura Bryden, she referred to it as another puberty. And I love that. Um, it, it can be a really incredible time, but it can also be, you know, a really horrible time. So 
do your due diligence, be an advocate for your health. Um, don't be dismissed by anybody and reach out to people. And if it costs you as far as spending, you know, finances to do it, you are worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because it will come back to bite you later on being sick or having health conditions are much more expensive than finding somebody that can help you navigate um, your postmenopausal, premenopausal times and other health yeah, things. You're either going walking on. towards illness or you're walking towards wellness. Um, and you can choose to change your direction at any time in your life yeah. at any time. Love it. So if people want to find you, where do they do that? Yeah. So I'm on uh, Facebook, uh, Meredith Talarzik Patchy, and I'm on Instagram, uh, Mare Patchy underscore, I think Scooby Prep might have that wrong. Um, and then uh, email is Mare at ScoobyPrep.com. And I will make sure and put all of that in the show notes as well. I think I already did actually, because I pre-wrote these notes because we're traveling. So uh, thank you so, so much though, for joining me. It has been such an incredible talk and you have so much knowledge to share with everyone. So I hope they go find you on social media and give you a follow. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Make sure you go find Meredith on Instagram and on scoobyprep.com. There's a ton of great information there. She is a wealth of knowledge, and I'm sure happy to answer any questions that you have regarding today's podcast. If you did find value in this episode, please make sure you stop and hit a review. I would be so thankful for that because these reviews help other people find this podcast they change the algorithm so that it's not invisible and that's a great thing when people are on their wellness journey I know if it wasn't for me discovering new things I wouldn't be where I am today I wouldn't have this crazy obsession with nutrition and health and so you never know what you're gonna do that could change somebody else's life so please pop on over leave me a review on iTunes they help me immensely and I can't thank you enough ahead of time well guys Thanks again for joining me. I hope to see you next Monday.